Okay, guys, I'm wearing sunglasses today because uh, the future is bright. Um, oh. You know? Yeah, in case so, you didn't know. Uh, That's a change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think the opposite based on Listen, everything we're seeing. It's all in the way you look at it, mm. you know? It's all in the way you look at it. And so today, in offering uh, this new perspective that I'm bringing to the 131st Corridor Digital Podcast. Usually I play guitar, but I want to offer you guys a choice today. Mm. I have guitar, and I also have a reading from the Tao to Ching. <laughs> yeah, let's do the reading. I yeah, think that's, reading. yeah, I think it's unanimous over here. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's see what Tao has to off. say. All right, let's see what the Tao... So this is an ancient Chinese manuscript. Uh, well, kind of like a proverbial manuscript. Let me Proverbs. find a good one. Mm-hmm. Here we go. I'm just going to thumb through it. Here we go. Are you ready? Governing a large country is like frying a small fish. Mm-hmm. You spoil it with too much poking. Center your country in the Tao, and evil will have no power. Not that it isn't there, but you'll be able to step out of its way. Give evil nothing to oppose, and it will disappear by itself this is the Tao. that's interesting it's love that hmm. episode of the mandalorian <laughs> that's cool yeah. it's saying if you don't bother evil it will just go away well no well maybe i'm okay. misunderstanding I think, I think you're miss i think you're missing yeah. a little bit yeah of it of the of the let me, let yeah, me give talk you one me. more is maybe it, a is, shorter is it, one is it let evil destroy itself with its own momentum like that kind of thing pretty pretty, pretty much that's more like art of war but yeah mm. That's pretty much the idea. Um, it's not that it isn't there. It's that you won't be subjected to its power. You won't be you poking its the, fish. the way of the Tao. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not going to get into <laughs> gonna do Chine, ancient Chinese philosophy, but there's a lot of good stuff in that book. Um, anyway... Wow. Well, thanks what am sharing. I talking about? Guys, <laughs> uh, look at what's going on. We've got a new person in the corridor cast. Yeah, yeah. what's up? <laughs> Welcome. It's Sam Gorski. Yes. A new, oh, wait, I'm sorry. A new version. <laughs> new V2 um, Sam. Sam. Final version 2. Yeah. No, it's seriously, uh, I'm super excited uh, because today, uh, Fenner Rockliffe, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. has joined us uh, for a corridor cast. But more than that, he's joined us for effects, mm. videos, Everything. Good times. Mm. Good times. Some of them CGIs. Yeah. 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 He's joined us for life. Yeah. For life. You only once leave you're in, in a box. Fenner, actually, yeah. I, Clint says that he left, but actually... <laughs> He's in a box. In... Well, I signed the blood contract, so I'm, I'm pretty okay, yeah. right now, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There's no really... There's no real leaving mm-hmm. corridor. Yeah. Once you're in. Yeah. Well, yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the reason it's, yeah. not, it's not because of anything evil or bad. It's because of these friendships that we create here. Oh, last beautiful. a lifetime. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with Much cages or anything. <laughs> what Chinese proverb is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, is that a Chinese proverb? No, I don't know. Um, so anyway, I thought it would be fun to uh, bring bring you on, Fenner. Uh, get a chance to uh, for the for the Trutons to get to know you, and you know, kind of talk about what you're into, what we're excited about this year, and uh, and just, yeah, get get to know you a little bit. Sweet. Uh, you got, what do you want to know? What do you want to know? Oh, how would, the, I think we should start it <laughs> off real simple here. All right, so yeah. okay. we make videos. We do VFX, blah, blah, blah. Okay, <laughs> so 
maybe in your own words, why don't you explain to us and everyone listening, uh, like what you did before you got here that makes you a person that we should make videos with, you know, like, like you, you obviously have a visual effects background, but for people who don't know you yet, like what, what are you, what have you been up to or, or like, what are you into or, you know, where, where have you done VFX before? Yeah. I mean, like probably a lot of people watching the cast, like I started doing VFX, watching Corridor and Freddy W way back in the day. Mm. Uh, it's like how I got into VFX, um, like back in high school, just doing that. Um, and yeah, it was something like, I remember the very first like comp shot I did was like a Freddy W muzzle flash tutorial. And I was like, oh man, I can I can make a muzzle flash on a gun. That's the craziest thing in the world, which I feel like is probably a lot of people's stories that are in VFX. Like um, I didn't end yeah. up, ended up like going to a really awesome uh, VFX school called Think Tank Training Center, uh, which is located in North Vancouver in Canada. Um, and it was it was amazing. Like it's such a it was such a great experience. You kind of learn a little bit of everything like animation, rigging. Uh, they did like life drawing and actual clay sculpting as well. So you'd go like do a clay sculpting class and then go do ZBrush right after it, which was really cool. That's cool. Mm. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was kind of nice. You learned a little bit of everything. Um, but the first first semester, you don't learn any sort of compositing, which, uh, you know, kind of all through high school, I'd been doing like little videos with my friends, super, super inspired by corridor stuff, just like running around the neighborhood with airsoft guns and <laughs> muzzle flashes and stuff. Um, and then I was yeah. kind of, once I got to the school, I was kind of like, oh man, this this isn't really what I thought it would be because there was no comp class. Uh, semester two, uh, I think it was like day two or something. They actually did like the intro to compositing and it was the first time I opened Nuke. And then our teacher was like, here's uh, Action Essentials or whatever. And I was like, oh, sweet. This is why I'm at this school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Those free asset packs. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. Uh, and so after that, yeah, I ended up just kind of going full tilt into comp uh it still kept doing the other classes but i kind of got to a point where i was like okay clay sculpting maybe isn't uh, a career for me <laughs> um yeah and then from there basically i had a really really cool mentor at the school uh, and he basically hooked me up with one of his best friends from childhood who was actually starting uh this really small comp based uh, vfx studio called cvd vfx um and I got just a random call from this number and the guy was like, yo, come work for me. Um, and so I went in for an interview <laughs> and their office at the time, it was, there was like four people working there and it was literally two janitor's closets that they converted into like a studio. <laughs> wow. Um, and it was, it was cool. Cause I had another interview lined up that day uh, at a big studio uh, that'll remain nameless for now. <laughs> um, and basically the dude, Chris, Chris Van Dyke, he's amazing. He's my mentor in the industry. He basically was like, come to interview with us first, then go to yours. Went to the big studio interview, walked out of it, called him right away. And I was like, hey, can I come work with you guys? Because awesome. <laughs> uh, I got a better vibe from the janitor's closet in the big ass boardroom. <laughs> um, Why was that? Why was that? Uh, it was honestly one specific thing. Like when I walked into the interview uh, at the little janitor's closet studio, they were basically like, sweet, your reel sucks. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, your reel sucks, but we can... Uh, make it better like you can learn how to do vfx here and you'll be working as part of the team on uh, the big studio i went to they basically like put it on a big projector screen in the boardroom 
barely even looked at it and they're like, yeah, amazing work. Great stuff. Great. And I knew mm. my real shit. Like it was like <laughs> work in progress. Um, and like, it was a lot of like final underscore version 32. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the guy yeah. was like, yeah, you know, you'll be fine. A monkey could do this job. Oh, and thanks. Yeah. So that's, I was like, oh, okay. I probably, probably don't want to work there. <laughs> um so yeah i ended up working with the guys at cvd vfx and they were amazing i learned so much there it was incredible i worked there for a number of years uh until the studio was acquired by a larger studio um ended up working there for a while and then kind of during covid was starting to feel like it was time for a change and i saw your guys video for the the we're hiring and i was like (laughs) man i should just like i've always you know i've always loved corridor it's it literally is the reason i work in vfx and i was like man i'm just gonna like take a flyer on this i'll send in a reel um didn't hear anything back for months so i was like ah didn't get it <laughs> yeah, figured as much yeah. which was fine no, was, that's just how we do it we yeah. just keep the same thoughts <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah which was totally all good and then eventually heard back and i was like oh my god and <laughs> came down for that visit um during this i guess it was last summer or something and uh nico and i worked on this. yeah that's when we did the 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 um x-wing video. yeah 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 that star wars video which was super trend fun trend. and yeah it was crazy to me because like you know it had all happened during covid and i'd been working from home for like two years so that was like my first time being back in a studio environment which felt amazing like so i was like <laughs> oh my god human beings yes like, yes <laughs> touch my hand yeah, please which was amazing um and yeah, yeah and then so kind of after that week i was like Ah, uh, holy like i gotta i think i gotta make a change uh with my career and kind of get back to why i got into vfx was because i wanted to make films not just work on films you know yeah. um and so that's when you know we kind of moved ahead with things and i'm from canada originally so we had to start to look into a visa process which was definitely a process jake and i were <laughs> worked oh, through man dude a long time um yeah it was wild that's the first time i've ever had to do anything like that and it was it was cool to see like hey this is actually there's a process for this and like you know you can actually like be a little you know a little corridor digital like trying to bring somebody in from another country yeah um and that was a big deal for us too like uh it was months in the making um because we had to they make you compile like a whole presentation of documents um because you know effectively like you have to the burden of proof is on you you know to prove that like okay you're bringing somebody in okay what are they and there's certain types and are the type we were applying for was like, okay, Fenner's got extraordinary abilities yeah, and talents. An extraordinary, so extraordinary to... alien. I know it must be very yeah. validating in a way yeah. where it's like, it's oh. like, it's like, Hey, you want to make some videos together? It's like, no, first we have to convince the government that you are worthy Honestly, you're of being hired by a company. Here. So, so we drove down from Vancouver, uh, my girlfriend and I, and it was, I was so stressed about the border crossing. Cause like I actually, yeah. I talked to, Chris Van Dyke, who my mentor, and he had gone down and done the same thing uh, when he worked at ILM San Francisco. And he's like, I was like, how did it go for you? He's like, oh, I didn't get in. They they turned me around at the border. And I was like, what? that was ILM. Like, what? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, good luck. Really? Wait, wait, why <laughs> did they turn him around? They were like, ah, we don't know, like, if this is legit, like, whatever. They are you really extraordinary? What VFX was basically, they're like, are you really an <laughs> yeah, outstanding that's alien? That's so funny. Yeah. Wait a second. Hold um, on. Hold on. How, wait. Can I? Well, I made sure ours was approved. Yeah. Before Dude, I crossed into Canada at the border there yeah. from Washington uh, to Vancouver. This was like 2008. 
you know, was we because we, we shot like this low budget movie up there that year. So like I was pretty young. I was like 22, 23 maybe. Um, but we had my like my old car. It was like this little Ford Focus packed to the brim with like computers and PCs and stuff. Like you look at the car from the outside and you see like the inside of a PC case because it's missing like <laughs> the panel. So you like literally are awesome. looking at a bunch of computer parts. We drive up there and we're at the border and like, what are you guys coming in here for? We're like, uh, camping, you know, just gonna <laughs> camp and like chill. <laughs> and, like, you look at the back, it's just like binders and like PCs stacked on top of each other. <laughs> and the guys, they're like, huh, okay, well, let's look through the thing. And so they open it up and uh, they found like a, an, uh, wait, no, they didn't find the airsoft guns. So, yeah, they didn't cool. find the airsoft guns because obviously we're shooting a movie. <laughs> but that was like the most nerve wracking part was like, Thankfully, we had piled enough PCs to hide the airsoft guns, yeah. but still camping, I guess, worked. Whew, welcome to the cool section of the podcast, where I tell you about the coolest tool that we use here at Corridor Digital, courtesy of today's sponsor, Storyblocks. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 Jake, what makes Storyblocks so special? Well, <laughs> ha, I thought you'd never ask. Reason number one, Storyblocks has a virtually unlimited library of all kinds of stock assets, including but not limited to high quality 4K B-roll, images, audio, motion graphics, after effects, templates, and more. And every time you go on there, there's something new and different. So it is like a virtually unlimited library. And that's awesome for what we do. Reason number two, Storyblocks has an unlimited all access plan that gives us, well, unlimited all access to their assets. That allows us to download as much as we want and use it in whatever we want for whatever purposes. That includes commercial work, that includes personal work, that includes work we put on YouTube, anything we need it for. It's all that sweet, sweet royalty free. They also have an enterprise plan. If you're part of a team and you want to get that going, talk to your team leader. You can get your whole team hooked up with Storyblocks. You're going to need a stock asset source if you are serious about creating. So we use Storyblocks. We highly recommend it. And if you guys are interested in getting started for yourself, head on over to storyblocks.com slash corridorcast to get started, or just click that link in the description below. That's storyblocks.com slash corridorcast. Thanks for joining me on Jake's cool integration corner. And now I'm going to turn around and get back onto this podcast later. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was so stressful. Like I was like, Oh, we're, I'm not going to get in. Like I totally had it in my head and rolled up and the border security guard guy that was checked. He was so chill. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, Oh, I'm going down uh, this job. Like working VFX. I guess he knew what VFX was. And I said, like uh i talked about like this stunt artist react and he was like oh that's so sick like really dude yeah. welcome to america like, he was like just fired his for real dude. for real he's like a total just bro. His gun out, just it, was, shooting. it was awesome and then so i had to go into like the little uh kind of visa immigration area and then he ended up i guess they do like a i don't know like they swap off their shifts or whatever and then so he ended up being inside and sitting next to the guy that was doing my immigration thing and he like sat down next to him. He's like, watch out, bro. This guy's going to be famous. This guy is <laughs> extraordinary. <laughs> not even joking. They were like fist bumping. I was like, I was Dude. like, what is going on here? And they're like, welcome to America, bro. Like, oh I was my like, gosh. I, not at all what I expected. It was, it was excellent. It was a nice, uh, very warm welcome to the United States. That's, That's great. It's seriously, I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. Like, it's, it's funny because I, I'm a green card holder. So I'm like a, what's known as a permanent resident. Uh, so I'm not a citizen. And I lost my green card, but still went to travel to England uh, not too long before I started working here. 
And uh, I thought it would be fine because I assumed they had like a digitized system to keep track of me in some way, shape or form. Oh my God. But they don't. And so as I'm trying to get back into the country from London, I get stopped by the people who work at the airport and then they go and get a representative who doesn't have a name. He's a representative from America who's only known by a number. That's and awesome. he comes out and he gives me a very stern talking to. He says, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if you're going home today. He didn't whisper it, but it felt like he did. And so he goes back behind the scenes, calls the consulate or I don't know, whatever the heck calls friggin' the president and uh, <laughs> comes back out. And he was like, no joke, no nonsense, absolutely stone cold, terrifying. And he's like, I got you in, but I'm not doing this again. Wow. And that was like, it. and I remember thinking I was for, I was alone for like 45 minutes thinking, okay, well, I got to figure out how I'm going to live in England now because and I remember being so scared because the, <laughs> I was not just like I'm trapped in England. Like, it's like, like no, I have to continue I'm not my coming life. Back, you know, I've heard <laughs> horror stories of that where you just don't get back in. And I was just about to start working here, and I was like, "Well, that sucks." It's You're like a, halfway, it's a rough start. Yeah. <laughs> Can I work remote? Like, what is that, that fun? What's that pharmacy mm -hmm. that called? Like Boots or whatever. Boot, yeah, yeah. Boots. Yeah. You're like halfway through an application. Like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I like I like your experience better. That's oh, nice. it was honestly it was like it made such a difference like i man it was so i mean the whole visa process jake and i went through was so much and then even like a few days before i was actually driving down i looked at the actual documentation we had and it's like this is not a visa you cannot use this and yeah. like jake had mentioned he's like they'll probably just stamp it at the border but maybe make sure and so i spent like four hours yeah calling different like government offices in canada and the states and no one could give me an answer on whether i'd actually be like let through the border uh, so like right. I ended up going to like the U.S. consulate and everything, and they finally someone was like, "Yeah, you'll be fine. Don't worry." Like, okay. But then even then, I was still I was still freaking out about getting in. But yeah, yeah, yeah was, there uh, are it's it is very confusing. And then they yeah they send you they approve the visa, and the visa is it's it's got the the name of the visa, the like number of the that they give you, and it's got everything. But then it says like. This is not a visa. Yeah, but it's but it's literally called a visa at the top of the document, and and but but that's because I think because the actual visa is the stamp yeah. that they give you. Super official. Mm. That's yeah. yeah. That, that's the actual visa. So I did look it up before we before and I checked the the government's websites to like verify that it had gone through and not just like trust the lawyers and and all that stuff. But yeah. I, I think that's why they put that on there. Yeah. Um, and and so, yeah. But I could see, you know, like it could be, could be nerve wracking. There's also a lot of weird, um, like for for example, for some DACA recipients or like Dreamer recipients and things like that. I've I've heard that when they, if 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 they are about to, like start the process of getting citizenship or they're going to get citizenship. They have to, one of the rules, one of the, one of the, and I get why this rule is in place, but one of the rules that does, shouldn't apply in this situation for like dreamers, which I don't know if you guys know what dreamers are, but it's like people who are taken up here by their parents mm -hmm. when they were under the age of, uh, when they were minors and they didn't have a choice in whether or not they could go. So they ended up in a country illegally that they didn't have a choice to enter. Um, so the question is like, well, should these people be citizens and da, 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 da. And so, but one of the processes is that you cannot become a citizen if you enter the United States illegally. Uh, and, and it's something like 
there's a 10 year rule where if it's like found that you've entered illegally and then you know yada yada or like have overstayed or whatever there's like a 10 year ban rule and so what these people have to do is they have to go because they didn't enter the country legally technically they have to go and then like re-enter this they have to leave the country and then re-enter just so that there's like a stamp that says like okay Mm. you entered the country legally and the only stamps that exist are outside the border. You can't so get the stamp. Like, you can't get the stamp unless you enter. Unless your feet leave. But that's that's funny. Yeah. Mm. I was just about to commend the stamp. I'm like, I was about to like go on a tangent about electronic signatures and missing like that, you know, process. But I don't know. Now I'm like, this took a dark turn. Yeah. <laughs> stamp is very serious. Yeah. The stamp is very serious. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm glad, man. I'm glad that you you basically had a party with the border. It was, dude. Guards. I'm not even joking. It was so funny. And <laughs> they, they, they toss you a beer on your way out. Or whatever. <laughs> it seriously felt like they that. Like you a Budweiser were... and an American flag. Yeah, yeah. They wrap me in an American flag. Yeah, and put you in a truck. Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> yeah, it was a go rub some cattle. So get out of here. Smack the back of the truck. <laughs> Don't get. get. Yeah. Yeah, it was, right. uh, it was great, man. It was a great experience. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it, I, it was weird too because it was right around the time like Canada was rolling back like some of the COVID laws and stuff. So it's like you didn't need to get tested at the land border, but you did at the like get it. It was a lot easier to uh, get through the border and immigrate this time around than it was like that initial visit during the summer, mm-hmm. like flying yeah. from Canada. That was like. I almost almost didn't make the flight because the the guy didn't understand what VFX was again. And yeah, was, you needed a v, like a temp visa to just do the the week here. No, not even. It was just like you know, say what you're traveling for. Oh. I was like, oh, it's for a job interview, which maybe wasn't the best idea. I should have mm. just said leisure or whatever. But I mean, yeah. it was the truth. And um, yeah, those things are intimidating. Oh, so yeah, it's been it's been more obviously it's been a lot more rigid uh, up up in Canada too in terms of like just some of the covid protocols and stuff like so i I assume that that yeah that's that's been lingering a lot longer and like you know what you can and can't do and where you can and can't go yeah and all that stuff yeah this at this point i think they're pretty much in in british columbia at least where i'm from it's pretty much like i think they dropped like mask mandate i think they're rolling back vaccine mandates all that stuff but yeah it was Uh um it was really interesting like i mean covid was just such a bizarre time like working from home was I think such a yeah. crazy shift for the entire VFX industry because, you know, the excuse had always been from studios like Marvel and all that. They're like, well, security wise, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, yeah, you can. Like, mm. uh, like yeah. during, during COVID, <laughs> uh, essentially during the process of like coming to work here at Quarter, I ended up actually signing a contract with Weta Digital, which was amazing uh, and working for them remote. Like I'd hope to yeah. maybe be able to get over to New Zealand at some point, but it was again so weird with how they had handled covid like they were like we're totally open like whatever and then i guess no one was vaccinated because they were yeah well they had the little walled garden and then like one little bug bug got in and then so it was so funny because we were like you know i was finishing up my contract there and i was like oh i was out at the bar with my friends last night and they're all like we're in lockdown we can't leave the house and i'm like man it's such a bizarre can't even thing. open the windows yeah right? <laughs> that's brutal that the is bugs super might brutal. get in dude. yeah it's just what it's was that like so though like that's because that was the big thing we, we we met last summer and then you're like this sounds cool but there's one last thing i gotta do and we're like what's that and you're like 
work for the top VFX house in the entire world. Yeah, just real quick. Yeah, just really quick. And, and you guys are like, you guys are like, yeah, like that sounds sick, right on. We all like, we all we all left, and you look up out the windows, and we all like look down, and we nod at you like. <laughs> This is the right thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> then you walk off into the sunset. Uh, no, but seriously, how was that? Because like we, I, I was, I, I'm still very curious. Like, what, what is that process like? Like, what were you, like? I mean, obviously, probably NDAs or whatever. But you know, what, what was that like? Yeah, it was, man. It was, it was really amazing. It's, um, I, I definitely think you kind of, I think it loses a bit of the magic of going to Weta by staying in your living room you know yeah i know you don't get to be like hey uh on my lunch break can i do a cool tour of like the model shop or whatever yeah you know, like tour yeah. of peter jackson yeah, yeah exactly right so <laughs> in that sense just in there <laughs> just waiting for people to look at him it's like in a back to tank <laughs> like, like chilling uh, yeah um yeah it was man it was so cool it was amazing to get to go to a studio like that and see like their pipeline is so so developed and so like they've got it so dialed it was it was an incredible experience. I got to work on some really cool projects there. Um, I can, I think I'm allowed to say I worked on Hawkeye and Peacemaker, which were two really fun ones, and then another project that's still working oh, nice. in progress. Yeah, that's um, awesome. But it was amazing. It was uh, the team, like everyone I met there was super nice, and I mean met remotely, but you still kind of get a get a vibe from people, and everyone's like so good at what they do there. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. you work on any of the shots that are on that VFX breakdown for Hawkeye they just released? Uh. It's the bridge. Yeah, stuff, we, right? we did the whole bridge sequence. Um, Damn! Yeah. yeah. Wait a second. So, wait a second. The, uh, For the next VFX artist to react. Into, wait, is this turning into VFX artist react? I'm being super serious. Like, like that would be the funniest, like, craziest episode ever. Where it's like, today we're doing this. We have a special guest. Here's Fenner. <laughs> <laughs> he worked on a bunch of Marvel movies. And he's also working with us. Now. Uh, sorry. Uh, too excited <laughs> yeah it was uh it was crazy that's that was, so cool yeah dude, it was my it was my first day like they they do the most amazing onboarding there is insane they literally you walk in day one well walk in you log into your computer day one and they're like what's up kid and they're like here's two weeks of just learning like oh, awesome. you're gonna spend they they work like 50 hour weeks is their standard there they're like you're gonna learn for 50 hours a week for duty so you basically just it's really funny because i was worried going in there i was like oh man i gotta like brush up on my deep compositing and stuff because their their whole setup and nuke is all deep like all their yeah, renders which is great. incredible they um because they really they develop that yeah technology and like, really deep compositing is uh like it's like uh some like weird like world space kind of based yeah past kind of stuff yeah the basically like the way i try to explain it is basically like think of your you're getting a render out mm -hmm. of i don't know my or v-ray or something uh basically each pixel has like not depth info but uh deep data so you can basically be like if i want to place a 2d element in 3d space like on a card or something it's just automatically held out by that 2d image yeah so yeah. every like pixel it's, has like it's it's like locked like world data yeah and yeah. so you can so basically within nuke uh using like proprietary nuke tools and what i had their amazing like suite as well um you can basically just like view your scene in 3D from a 2D image as well. Does and it look almost like a point cloud? Yeah, it's like a super dense point cloud, basically. Oh, it's and so it's, cool. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's pretty sweet because that's the like mm. you know I guess it's time to nerd out on VFX. Uh, but like that—that's for me, anyways. You know, you there's a thing called like a Z depth pass. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you render that out, and that's like a black and white image. It looks, you know, when you look at it, it's like oh, here's a foggy environment. Yeah. Um, 
uh, but and it's cool. You can use it for like depth of field, all that stuff. But the problem is, is that it's locked relative to the camera. So if the camera like pushes through a scene, like the edge of that fog will push with it. And so you can do a lot of stuff with that. But when you actually have the position of every pixel in your image, mm-hmm. like it's like the same as having your entire shot 3D tracked and having a ZDF pass and then being able to apply way more complex things like actual true like volumetrics and fog and yeah it's, and literally compositing into the depth of the render like, yeah it's, yeah it's, it's so incredible so it's awesome. like it was it's so cool and like going in there that's they have their whole training program and like i was trying to brush up on my deep before and then basically day one they're like forget everything you've ever learned about nuke we have our own basically <laughs> that, I mean, so that's yeah that's the thing that intrigues me is the proprietary software at weta yeah like i don't know how much you can talk about it but I, I don't probably at not all. at all but but just the experience of like for example when i think of deep compositing i've never done it i've like geeked out about it but never like actually done it and i just wonder that must be the heaviest workflow for you know it's bad enough with like a crypto mat or you know multi multiple passes wrapped up in one exr file but deep just feels like it's gonna be this chug monster yeah, that you'd have a, to be really a lot of pre-comping set up for yeah so yeah. yeah like what was it like working with their tools without you know obviously it was it was amazing like that the two weeks of training you get you're basically you know starting from the ground up with like relearning their comp workflow and it's like it was totally different from anything i'd ever been used to before because they're it's like such a rigid pipeline and i think it was kind of cool going in there from a small studio experience because there was like you know the first shot they gave me was um on that bridge sequence the car chase thing in hawkeye uh which was super cool i was like right out of the gate i was like okay this is a cool shot like holy crap like these people <laughs> fighting between two moving cars on like the uh i think the manhattan bridge or whatever and it's like all the renders just looked awesome but then there's like one small tweak during the dailies review and they're like, oh, we'll have to send that back to lighting. It'll be like render will be ready next week. And I was like, oh, I could just I could tweak tweak it like and it's really funny when you like I, the experience of the big studio was like it's so everything's so dialed in that it's like there wasn't a ton of room for creative input um, because it's kind of just like, hey, it looks good. If you need something tweaked, we'll go to a different department. But I actually I think that's kind of a negative uh, side of those big studios because you're so like it limits your creativity so much and limits like the problem solving side of VFX, mm. which is kind of what VFX is. It's just like, okay, how can I use all these different software packages to get this shot done? So yeah, there's a lot of fun and not knowing how to do something and finding a way. I yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing we talk about a lot too on, you know, like the VFX artist show because like so much of the stuff we cover up until basically like the early nineties. I mean, there's still some stuff from like, you know, until like maybe the early 2000s but generally anytime you wanted to create a cool effect it was all about ingenuity it was always like here's something we're trying to do and there's not like a a, a, there's not a way to do it so to speak you have to invent a way to do it and like when it came to not like with visual effects um it's basically like all right we want a monster and we want it to run around and do this xyz thing and so it's like cool all right yeah we can do that it's like there's no like obviously there's like plenty of research artists do when it comes to like shading and like animation tricks and stuff like that to improve it but you know it's it's very frequently that okay yeah yeah model monster put some bones on it there we go yeah so is that something where when you get you know your workload 
there's already like a very structured idea of what the final image is to look like. Yeah, totally. Um, like it's pretty common in the industry now that you kind of go through like a previs phase where, you know, it's pretty well done. And then like big studios, they'll do like post viz as well. So at that point, it's like, it pretty much looks like a play blast of the shot. Hmm. And so you're like, okay, sweet. I just matched to that. And then, I mean, the, the thing with Weta is like the lighting renders I was getting, I was like, oh man, I feel like I don't really even need a comp this. Like, obviously <laughs> you still go in there and try to, you know, give the shot your love and make it your special yeah. little baby every yeah. shot. But there's some of them that right. it's just like, especially once you've like templated out that nuke script, it was literally like swap in your new render and hit, <laughs> hit render. And you're like, all right, I guess I'll go grab some grab a drink or something it's <laughs> like, pretty impressive that they even i mean huh. to have such a dialed in pipeline like yeah that, it, which it, you'd have yeah, to i would imagine if you're impressive. turning over just, so many high-end yeah, projects yeah. like yeah. they do i really just as like, a as a exercise in like ingenuity organization and like use of tools man it, yeah. it is pretty incredible mm -hmm. yeah it's i mean nothing nothing but good things to say about my time there it was a lot of work like there are i mean it's just the reality in the VFX industry, there's going to be like some crazy overtime depending on the project. So it was definitely a lot of hours. Um, but, you know, I, I knew that going into it and I'd kind of committed to like, well, I'm working from home anyways. I'm just going to be this little VFX hermit for a while, mm. um, which was... It's funny. You told me that before you started. You yeah, were like, man, look, I'm going to I'm going to work 70 hours a week and I'm just going to do that for six months and learn as much as I can and yeah yeah we were like yes dude do it yeah that, that sounds, sounds awesome that's pretty much what happened <laughs> yeah it was uh it was pretty like pretty funny during one of the like kind of crunch periods on one of the projects i like grew my beard out too so it was like i just looked like yes. this like actual like hermit man like, yes. was, like, it was consuming you yeah, yeah it was just yeah but i mean having come from that now you've tasted the manna from heaven those 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 tools <laughs> built just for the gods yeah, and yeah. <laughs> coming back out of that now, I mean, do you miss them? Like, you, uh, you know what's out? I don't know what's out there. I mean, I live honest, in bliss. Honestly, that was the thing that was most attractive about coming to Quarter was getting back to that like small studio environment of like, hey, let's just make some cool stuff. Like, uh, you know, the figuring out how to do it. Like, I don't know when we were when I was down here visiting and just talking about the Son of a Dungeon stuff and like from what I'd heard from, um, like listening to the podcast before, I was like. And that sounds super cool. Like basically doing your like own like indie virtual production setup and it looks good and it works. And it's like, you know, just the idea of, like I said before, getting back to making films rather than working on films. Like it was, I mean, I went and saw the new, the Batman the other day and watching the VFX credits for that. And a, one of the studios rolled up and zero artist credits. I was like, Oh, that sucks. Like it is the, that's the reality of the industry. It's such a machine. Wow. And it's like, yeah, you know, those are artists that are probably working overtime, like really, really giving it and putting like a lot of work into the project. And then to not even get a credit, like not a single artist credit for the whole studio. Wow. I was like, just the studio name. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that's yeah. That like, really sucks. Yeah. yeah. And you, you definitely, I mean, again, I loved Weta, but there's definitely, you do get that aspect of like, Oh, I'm such a, small fish in such a large vfx pond yeah yeah and i think it yeah it really just comes down to like what is your process for filmmaking and obviously you have a huge multi-million dollar production you're going to previs the crap out of it you're going to mm -hmm. figure out the exact timing and the exact framing and the exact everything of every shot in your film before anyone actually starts trying to make it look good 
but then you change know. it all last minute once it looks good. And then they change it all. Yeah, yeah. But like even still, it's just that concept of like, oh, no, no, we did all the work. Someone else did all the work. They figured out the shot. And they did all the stuff. All you're doing is just like, you know, putting some icing on it, you know, and that, that, that that's how it comes off to me when I like it's maybe it's a little cynical, I suppose. But I, I but it versus, you know, the smaller version, which is like, hey, look, we're making some shots. What should they be? <laughs> yeah. What should this look yeah, like? Yeah. What should like, you know, in 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 it's always that's usually the start of the conversation all the all the time with that. Yeah, so. it's I think it's so much more validating and rewarding to be like, oh yeah, we shot that, tracked it, modeled that thing, comped it, like did this like sound design, like mm-hmm. you know, having the creative input on it. And I think that's what I was missing so much and what was like the reason I started doing VFX in the first place was like I wanted to make these little dumb short films with my friends like running around shooting each other with airsoft guns so i'm like sweet like yeah the joy the joy for me too is also in the the creative aspect of it yeah i remember when i was i was younger i was a little child actor and the reason i got into acting was because i thought that the actors controlled the whole movie because they're the only ones that i saw (laughs) so i was like oh if i become an actor then i get to make a movie and then when i started doing it i was like being told exactly what to do and not yeah. to stray from it. And then I saw the guy telling me what to do. And I said, what do you do? Because I want to do that. And that was directing. And then you start to like, oh, okay, hold on a second. Where's the, crea- where's the creative outlet here? Jordan, you know? when you're a kid, do you have a little British accent? Oh, did? Oh, did, Gaffner? did. Yeah, I did. I, I did. Do you and want I... me to dance again? Oh, mommy, please don't. Uh, and I lost it when I was like five. And then we had a, another British kid visit. Uh, <laughs> he became my arch nemesis. No, I'm kidding. But I, I heard him speak, and Dueling, then I dueling I re- children. <laughs> yes, he said hello, Jordan. Hello. And I heard I've come him to speak. Prank, pranks on you. I heard him speak, <laughs> and then recognized in myself that I no longer had the accent. This is the first moment I became like self aware, and I remember just openly weeping. Oh, I didn't hide it. Oh. I openly wept, and I was comforted by some lovely older woman. I don't remember who it was. Did but yeah, British I, I could understand being openly openly weeping yeah. if you lose a British accent. The, mm-hmm it's it's just it just sounds cooler yeah than as any far other as english accent too, that's a good one. it's a good one i had yeah. a, a a northern english accent though so like kind of near mm. near liverpool oh liverpool okay so it'd be a bit more like abrasive yeah than yeah like it's a lovely, almost, you're a lovely it's, boy yeah i don't need to be insulting but it's like there's northern ireland has a very particular accent that <laughs> it's <laughs> like <laughs> It's uh, it's Irish, but it's not. That's all but it's Scottish, but it's not. Like one response. It's just it's just amazing to me, like how you go literally like an hour in one direction, and people speak totally differently in terms of their accents. It's crazy. I almost equate it to go from L.A. to Pasadena, and it's yeah. a completely different dialect. Almost, it's it's right. one of the wildest things, and I think it's because how long they've been there, I guess. And before the old yeah. horse and buggy, they were basically different countries. If, if you're 30 miles away, I'm never going to see you. You yeah. don't exist to me. Like if you go far enough in one direction, they literally speak a different language <laughs> yes. called like Welsh. Welsh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 You go out to the desert here yeah. in California. On an island, like, on an I literally island that's like the size of Illinois. Like, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's so yeah. crazy. But yeah, it's definitely it is that historical holdover. Mm hmm. That's cool. That's pretty sweet. Well, prior you know to prior to, no, I'm supposed to know French. It's Canada's second language, and I was uh, I got. Well, kicked. you're also from Western Canada yeah, too. I, I also got kicked out of French class. That's the problem. <laughs> <Did> you... <laughs> Canada's yeah. second language. Mm-hmm. The priorities 
are clear. Yeah. <laughs> do you, I had a friend who is Quebecois. Wait, why did you get kicked out? Uh, was, was it was, poor French or a little bit of like poor French and also oh, was, it was just, it was like the pardon my French kind of thing. Oh, I was, <laughs> <laughs> man, I was such a I was such a bad student. Like I would just I would would make uh, her name was Madame. Oh, uh, I would make the Madame's life just. Uh, that was her name. No, Madame. She was French. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Pranks. Yeah, I just <laughs> I made her life horrible, and mm. I didn't didn't blame her for kicking me out of the class. It was yeah. like principal's That's when you know you were bad when you say I don't blame them. I really <laughs> don't. You know. Like, man, I so like so much regret. I I ended up like uh, ended up teaching VFX like after school and stuff for a couple years uh, just before moving down here. And you know it's different because the students are for the most part like adults, but even then you're still like. Oh man, teaching is brutal. Like yeah. it's so hard. Yeah. And, you know, this is like, you know, grown adults where they're for the most part respectful, but sometimes yeah. would like talk back or something. And you're like, oh God. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, the high school years are probably the toughest because oh your limbs God. are longer than your attention span and you just got all these like gangly. Oh, I was the gangliest <laughs> child. Like, I feel like I still am, but I was like gangle to the max. Like, <laughs> You're a gangloid as well? Yeah. Oh I also God. was a gangloid. Yeah. I like, yeah, I, I was always like very tall growing up, like just shot up like a beanpole, but I was like so skinny and like I was yeah. loud and just like. It's, it's such an odd period of time too, because you're like. You're six foot two, but you weigh about 85 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. And you still want to watch cartoons. It's yeah. the strangest, like, I don't know what to do with myself, mom. Yeah. Was, Leave me alone. It was, it, was, yeah, upstairs. it was so weird. Like, uh, like I remember I used to, um, like, during the summers, my dad was a commercial salmon fisherman, which I feel like is very Canadian. That's like the most Canadian like, thing. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's been in my family for generations. Um, <laughs> but I used to go, that was my summer job, is I would go commercial salmon fishing with him. And so oh, cool. I would be like 16 and we'd be up in these like northern towns. We'd go as far like north as Alaska and stuff. Um, and I remember going to like these pubs and stuff and being like 16 and they're like, well, you're like, six foot something like come on in and like the, <laughs> serve me when i was yeah. like my voice is still cracking I'm like hi can i get a beer please <laughs> like it was just it was hilarious man i feel like i was such a weird tall child yeah. thing <laughs> like that's crazy yeah they're not checking they're not checking up there no no and, way yeah, yeah if you're on a salmon boat fishing i feel like you so, wait have so a yeah beer, can we man. take like, a t can we take a tangent about that real quick yeah. so you went salmon fishing in the pacific ocean in the north pacific ocean yeah that was my that was my job for eight years that's why i paid for uh vfx school was catching fish oh <laughs> yeah it was a uh, it was amazing it's a like it was uh really was like my great great grandparents great grandparents did it and stuff and it's came through uh my mom's side of the family um and then yeah. my mom and dad were like they met they met actually at film school in Vancouver and then um my mom's parents they had their own salmon fishing boat and like wow yeah it yeah, was a lot of salmon it, was, it yeah, goes it was, deep it was the whole whole family like my aunt and uncle wait i'm getting a lot here i'm getting i'm getting fishing and film well, in the family history yeah yeah for real it's that's like the what the family does is like film work most of it on set i'm the first like vfx kid mm. um huh. but yeah it was uh, it was kind of this weird thing of like the fishing season uh, was mostly just like kind of from uh, like early summer to kind of it usually ends around like October or something. It's different depending on the fishery, uh, but a yeah. lot of, you know, uh, depending on, you know, the fishing season, some of them would just like take the rest of the year off because it was quite lucrative back in the day. But um, 
like a couple of my uncles, like they worked on set and stuff. Um, my great uncle, he's like did some producing and stuff. And it was just because Vancouver is such a big film industry and it was really kind of blowing up yeah, uh, around that time. And so I think there's some like old commercial somewhere where it's like my uncle on his fishing boat. Cause he's like, Oh, I know a guy with a boat and it's him. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's like an Advil commercial or something. It's like when you've had a hard day out on the tack, yeah. like, you need an Advil. Like Pepperidge farm remembers. Yeah, yeah totally. So, but yeah, it was a man. It was cool. It was a, it kind of sucked. Cause I didn't get a lot of summers. I was like up like covered in fish blood and it was like cold <laughs> and wet. Um, but it was, it was, I no regrets. Like I was, um, it was an amazing experience and like, you know afforded me the opportunity to go to a really great vfx school and i was like by the like the end of high school i was like bringing my laptop out there on the boat and like working on little animations wait wait wait, wait. i found advil tv spot crossing the atlantic oh i don't Is know that if that, i don't know oh. i don't know if you'd be able to find it but was it like deadliest catch vibes uh, let me see not that insane because we're on like smaller salmon boats but when you're up north like off the coast of alaska you'd hear those guys on the radio and stuff and i love that show growing Whoa. up and so you'd hear like i don't know what what was your name like screaming yeah, for, real, for real you'd be like i don't know it was one called like the sea shepherd or something like I, you'd hear those boats and you'd be like whoa that's like celebrity boat like, that's cool wow but yeah it was so cool oh, man. Is, wait so there's like there's like a culture amongst like your boat and like what boat you're on oh yeah big time it was like really was, i mean i kind of I, I was i was the last of my family to uh have her take up the reins um yeah but it was like man there was like a huge it was like this big booming industry for a while from all the stories i've t like been told and it was like yeah. a whole thing you'd have like your crew like so it'd be like my mom and dad had their boat uh my mom's brother my uncle michael he had his own boat uh my great uncle jimmy he had his own boat wow. and then my yeah. nan and op my grandma and grandpa they had their own boat and they'd be like rolling in this crew with like some of our family friends and stuff and yeah, it was yeah. cool. It was uh, it, I, it's a, a bit of a weird like, I don't know, family history, but it was uh, it was super cool. And, well, uh, that's a great way to like make money in a particular season, and then be able to go off and and do other things, which I feel like is very. I mean, yeah, I feel like it's a lot of people that ended up in that area, you know, kind of where you're from. Like that's that's part of the life. It's like you you weren't just like working, doing one thing. Like a lot of people, those people were living, you know, off the land, off of what they could do, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, like Vancouver, like the West Coast of Canada is such an amazing place. It's um, like, you know, a lot of them, once they got there, uh, immigrating from different parts of the world, they're like, well, I'm not going to leave. Like, this is amazing. My, uh, yeah. my Nana, she always likes to say she didn't go very far in life because she's like now lives like, 10 minutes from where she was actually born like wow and yeah it's just you know she she was she i mean still is till this day she's a total badass like she captained her own fish boat and stuff like that's awesome wow. yeah she's she's awesome but it was uh it's cool man it was uh you know they would work like all summer and then my, my parents especially they would just be like ski bums during the winter basically and like they, yeah uh, yeah it was uh pretty cool pretty cool do you like the smell and taste of salmon after all those years of I, being around it i honestly love it oh it's, nice well that's yeah, great it's like my favorite <laughs> honestly it's it's one of those things though i'm like so snobby about it so i like never <laughs> i'll never order like so you you know what good salmon yeah. is now that's so you're you're, you're cursed as well yeah <laughs> yeah it's um it was it was always like 
really funny because I would never order like seafood out with friends or anything because I was always like, oh, I got got a freezer full at home. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that is true, though. It's like when when you have any sort of standards of expectation, life is a little bit worse, in my opinion. Yeah, it's kind of nice (laughs) to just be down for whatever the cheapest wine on the menu. Just yes, whatever. I can't tell the difference. Yeah. Thank you. It's a it it was such a cool experience, though, man. Like I, I would like I mean, it was. I think probably kept me out of a lot of trouble because it was like during the summers, you know, where you get up to shenanigans and I would just be out there working and it like I would bring my I had like a little uh, Sony handy cam and I would like make little films and stuff while I was fishing. And like, I think you could probably there's like one on Vimeo somewhere oh, of me yeah. fishing when I'm like a little kid. nice. We got to we got to find all these. We got <laughs> Fenner's fish boat. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it is on Vimeo. I'll, I'll find that at some point. That's awesome. Is, um, but yeah, it was cool. It was like, it's kind of weird, but it was like, that's how I learned to like edit in Premiere and stuff was like on my laptop on a fish boat. Like just, you must have a strong wow. stomach. Oh dude. Yeah. Do not get seasick. I don't. Do you get yeah. sick from VR? Uh, no, no. It's uh like read it, reading in cars, whatever. I'm, oh, all, man. I'm all good. <laughs> like, that's incredible. Cause yeah, it was, uh, it was like you, I mean, it was so funny. Like you'd be doing wheel watches cause you'd have to run the boat like overnight down from like, uh, we'd fish off like southern tip of alaska kind of thing and run it down to prince rupert which is a town in northern bc like a port where we'd unload fish um yeah and so i'd like do a wheel watch where it's like okay we'd leave the fishing grounds at like you know 8 p.m and maybe get into port like run all night get in at like 6 a.m or something and you take shifts watching you can't really see anything but you're checking the radar and stuff and i'd just be sitting at the helm with my laptop like working on music <laughs> or like awesome. editing stuff and i was like <laughs> it's so funny to me that, like that's why i like practiced vfx and stuff wow yeah. dude that's that's really epic man like that's super cool it's it's such a great way to like live free too you know like you you, you do that part of the year and then you work on sets part of the year or like yeah that's just what an experience yeah it was uh it was really cool it's it's one of those things i like during during covid i was like well if the whole industry shuts down i'll just go become a fisherman (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was pretty cool that's wild. i've never been to that northern part of the pacific it is uh it is amazing man like especially um there's a haida gwaii uh also known as like the queen charlotte islands is it's off like the coast uh like northern island off the coast of canada yeah like i'm BC. looking i'm looking at it on a it map is, here dude one of the most amazing places i've ever been and we were lucky enough that we would fish around there a lot and it's just like it's really crazy they have a lot of like the indigenous like first nations like you can still go find this remote island with all like the old longhouses and stuff still just there in the forest and it's like it is crazy wow. man like not so much anymore but like my uh, parents would tell me stories that they'd be walking along and you'd find like skeletons and stuff Oof. like it's like this crazy like kind of untouched land i think it's a lot wow. different now because it's kind of a lot of people know about it, wow. but now, it was, yeah um, now that we know there's clean the bones and bones <laughs> yeah but it was it, it was very very cool it's the yeah it was you know one, one of those places that i would love to go back to one day mm. just uh to be able to experience because we were i mean i did get to experience it but a lot of the time we were working so you didn't get to go exploring as much but it's mm. it's a very yeah. very cool place that's awesome I wonder if they have a sign that says we're now bone free <laughs> something like that and yeah. now now, now bone, bone free, free. <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> family friendly and bone free that's awesome man that is cool 
Yeah, that's like so far Does away. Does anyone from... else have a family history that's we don't know about that we need to talk about? Not on that level. I mean, that's like a lineage no. of Iron Jordan, fishermen. Jordan, yeah. you're like secretly part of the royal family. Yeah, yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> the lost prince. They gave me my my uh, my dowry. Well, I don't think that's the right word. Or whatever that is, is. give them to go away. Prince I might Jordan. be wrong about this. People that are really into like royal and heraldry, heraldry and stuff like that mm. might might be mad about this. But I read somewhere that there is some documented justification to establish how Queen Elizabeth is related to King David. Huh. Yeah, I'm not familiar. I, I'm okay. I'm very bad with, with English history. I just yeah. think that it's Eat funny it. that the guards of the palace are called beef eaters, you know? That's enough <laughs> for me. That's makes a good gin though. <laughs> what? That's you know so notice? silly. Yeah. yeah, they're called beef eaters. That's not very descriptive. So in a way we're all guards of do the you, Queen's wait, do palace. you think that's do you think that's a tie a callback to like when beef was like a hard thing to get and like these guys Ooh. were strong and tough and so let's let's look this up real quick i was kind of hoping yeah, i got my fingers more crossed. like slang yeah there's like, like a when, slang or like something you'd shout at them when you're mad we actually talked or about this on a previous hey, podcast beef eater. remember yeah. the, the feasting and the nights and the largest <laughs> yes, nights and more ham for the feasts. nights yeah yeah ham. oh originally a derogatory term for a well-fed servant Hey, wow. Jordan, ah, beef, eater. beef eater. Yeah. Uh, beef eater. Wow. Beef eater. What is permitted to eat as much beef as they wanted from the king's table? Henry VIII. Everyone's just loitering to get more beef. Stay. <laughs> Gotta get he that He's like, Harold, you've had beef. enough. <laughs> Henry VII's personal guards were the first beef eaters. Wow. <laughs> Some beefy boys. It's such a weird insult. So Henry VIII it's, told them to stay and guard the tower permanently. That's like that's like that's like us going. You know what? Honestly, we're hiring roto monkeys. You are an official roto monkey. Here's your title. And you it's like okay stuff. Yeah, oh. it's like and here's your hat you have to wear when you rotoscope. Because <laughs> <It's, laughs> it, you can't show any emotion while yes, you're rotoscoping. Yes. Oh. Yeah, it, like it's a good thing that you're a roto monkey. It is, yeah. It's a it's funny. You should be proud choice. about being a roto monkey. I mean, that's how the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame got got started. Because everyone Cause was like uh, those drunk Irish people fighting. Yeah, all the yeah. Time. Ex ex well, it's kind of derogatory, you know, for like a Absolutely. bunch of Catholic kids, be a bunch of rowdy Catholic kids, the Fighting Irish. Yeah, that that one makes more sense as being derogatory, but like beef eating. I guess I don't see the insult. You know, I'm You're not, not seeing back it. far enough. Like, dude. look You're at you. Going... You're all well fed. Well, they all come yeah, out of the okay. king's court, you know, going, mm, yeah, mm. Back and in then the you're day, just like Jordan, these gaunt, that was like, hard. skeletal, like, beef peasants, eater. like, yeah. Beef eater. yeah. <laughs> back in the day, that would have been something that would have been very hard to get, yes. like, the ability to eat beef all the time. The ability it, to be bloated. A, a buffet of beef. Mm. All you can eat. All you can eat from the king's table. Only. That's yeah. kind of awesome. All other tables are off limits. Yeah, I know. That's a great perk. Unlimited beef. If we can institute that here. If we just have the king's table and I'll, it's just full of beef, I'll I'm be a down. beef eater. <laughs> yeah, all day. I often think about how, like, if you were to go back in time, like 500 years ago, what the, if, if at the time, what they would give, uh, sorry, I can't describe this very well. <laughs> Expiration <laughs> dates on food, you know, like how, how much more lenient they, people oh. were, you know, oh. or they're like, you, sometimes, you know, I make a salad and the next day it's all dank. Like wet, <laughs> how, you know, and you're like, and you're you like, Ugh. but I'm like, dude, if this was 500 years ago, I'd be like 
legit. This would be great still. Yeah. Man, I feel like I'm still <laughs> that way. I eat some like I'm like leftovers. I've been there for two weeks. I'm like, I'll yeah. risk it. Like No, I I'm usually good on <laughs> on some I mean, yeah, but yeah. Depends on how good the salmon is. Oh, dude, I honestly I think it comes from fishing because we'd be out there and you'd you go for like <laughs> long periods of time. And so you'd be like tasting the milk and it's like half sour. You're yeah. like, whatever, I need it. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. I want one time. How, um, how often do you guys stop? Uh, we, the first season or second season I fished, we were on a freezer boat. So that you're out there for like three weeks to a month at a time. Oh, wow. Uh, just in, like out there away from yeah. port. Um, but then most of the time when I was fishing with my dad, we had an ice fishing boat. Um, so then you do like five days, 10 days max, probably. Um, okay. So you're out there for like before 10 days port, at a time. Before you have to port again. Yeah, but the refrigeration was lackluster. Like our uh, our fish boat was like an old wood uh, salmon trawler built in like the 1950s. Like, wow. it, it was, was uh, wooden. Yeah, yeah, it was an old wooden boat. Oh it was God. one of the last uh, wooden boats on the coast. It was super cool. You've been out on on those wild ocean waters. How the heck did the Vikings do it on those wooden boats, dude? Like insane. Like how terrifying. Yeah, I mean we're we're out there on like you know solid you know i mean they're a wood boat but it's like it's a solid boat um and like even in like weather that's not that crazy you're still terrified like um dude the like viking ships and stuff that like that was insane yeah. like they went all over the world on these little like long and they just use like sun shadows or something on a di- little device yeah it's amazing to, at least that's what the show said the viking show so yeah. hopefully that's <laughs> yeah that's see, accurate season one, that's, that was awesome <laughs> literally all i know uh but yeah it's just wild to me that people would go out in a in a hunt for gold like that that's the weirdest part to to leave your land where you're you're good you've got food you've got shelter to get in a wooden boat go across the ocean just trusting this rock and shadow idea to go get gold from other people that you can't really even (laughs) use at all and bring it back and then put it down. They got to get that king's beef too, though. That yeah, yeah. That's they're going to the king's table. The that that's worth it, dying for. It was a hard life, though, man. You know, like your perspective would have been totally different. Yeah, it would have been totally different. And there's the Valhalla idea, right? The honorable way to go is in combat right. or something like that. Yeah. So maybe yeah. The, the pursuit of that is worth it too. But yeah, finding new people to fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sick of all these people. Yeah. That's mostly their reasoning. Their here. forest is full of bones still. It's not a bone free zone. Well, that, that, that is kind of, that was kind of built into their culture though. You know, that was how like men established themselves. It was like, you, you were literally like, okay, how many towns have you raided? Mm. How many, you know, how much gold have you taken? How many people have you killed? Like that, that's all part of the wild. It's just, it's, it's kind of hard for us to even fathom it. They were just chasing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's like it's, Dark Souls. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Just looking for more and more people to fight. More yeah. XP. Yeah, more more gold, XP. more treasures, more bosses. Not to not to like totally stereotype, but like prison culture is a little bit like that, and you can see it sometimes in like gang culture and the way that it carries over too. Um, but it's like you establish your. It's all about quote respect and quote honor because mm-hmm. there's hardly any of those two quote things mm. um and so it's all like a, a revolved around like that whole omuerta culture of like you know you don't say it upon omuerta means like i swear to be silent on pain of death 
Oh, wow. Um, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Prison culture. There you Dark go. Souls, Vikings, Omerta, gang culture. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a web there. Sorry, that was kind of that was kind of a tangent. That's and, interesting. Though. And but man, beef. And beef. Yo, so Fenner, you're going to have to take us all out on a fishing boat, man. This that would be sounds cool. like an epic adventure. Yeah, we, we can simulate it. Line the couches up here. Yeah. <laughs> do you know? Yeah. Do you know who Peter, Peter, Peter McKinnon is? Like, yeah, uh, Peter McKinnon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I, a, I, really, a really, really like well-known, yeah, Canadian uh, creator. He's done a bunch of stuff out on, uh, like I don't know if he's on fishing boats or what, but he's got like shots of whales and like shots of like icebergs and like he's getting all kinds of crazy photography out there. Yeah, man. I don't yeah. know where he's getting it, but it's amazing. Mm. Yeah, we would, man, we would see, you'd see a lot of whales and stuff. Like, it was, it was amazing. Like, uh, this place called Cape Shacken off the coast of Alaska, it's like the northernmost border of Canada uh, in Alaska. Yeah. Like, we'd be, it's, it was really funny. We'd be fishing in Canadian waters, and then at night, you'd go anchor up in the American waters. So, you'd have to call into the Coast Guard <laughs> every night and be like, yo, can we stay here? Um, yeah. But, man, for, like, the last three years of my dad and I fishing together, there was, like, this pod of humpback whales that would be up there every summer. Whoa. It was, like, seven really? or eight. And they do this crazy thing called bubble feeding where you'll just be out on, like, the back of the fish boat, like, checking the lines. And then you'll see this massive bubble in the water. And you're like, oh, God. And it's, like, it's like Cthulhu or something's going to come up. And all of a sudden, it's, like, seven or eight humpback mouths will come up because they basically trap all the krill in these, like, bubble nets that they make. And then they just go straight up and it's like this mountain coming out of the water. And it would Whoa. just be every day for like months, uh, for like the last three years we fished. It was and you're on you're on a wooden ever. fishing <laughs> Yeah. And I think the Sam, boat, a, a, a salmon skimmer or whatever. What did you call whales it? Whales aren't going to go trailer. after the boat. Yeah. No, but it's like sometimes they come up and they're so close that you're like, oh man, they like, did they almost hit us? Like, How long the are these boats? How uh, long are these salmon boats? I think our boat, it was on the smaller side. I think it was like 40. It was like 46 feet, I want to say. How big is one of those whales? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's you're on the same right Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Humpback whale like be the same size. <laughs> it's probably about the same size. Let's yeah, see. It's, it's yeah. So cool, For, 49 to 50 feet. And there's 49 seven to 52 of feet. Yeah, it's crazy. You should look up like bubble feeding home. It looks so like... So a whale comes up that's as long as the boat that you're on. Yeah, with like their mouths <laughs> seven open. Seven of them. It's, dude, it's the oh craziest looking thing. That is wild. Yeah, if you look up bubble feeding, it looks like this demon coming up. It's just these <laughs> mouths and they're... I guess they get all the water in their gullet or whatever, so it's all stretched Whoa. out. It looks like terrifying. It I looks never, like... Yeah. Uh, I mean, it looks like a bunch of fish feeding at the surface, but they're just so big. Yeah, it's it's. And then there's they do it in like in like patterns too. Yeah, yeah, it's like they do like these spiral patterns. So it's super yeah. weird. It's like when you're out there and you've been out there a while. I don't know. It got weird. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> yeah, the ocean is is really scary, and oh. I, I never used to find it scary. Oh, look at that. Yeah, so you'd, you'd just be like fishing oh, al so along cool. the tack, and then you'd see something like that. All of a sudden, you're like, "Is oh, it like a demon coming up from the depths right now?" Like, so they wow. all work together to like spiral trap them in the bubble net. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like I, I watch a lot of uh, stuff like this with my kids because they're like really into it. And yeah, whales yeah. and uh, dolphins both do really similar things. Yeah, um, like dolphins in like low, uh, like more shallow waters, they do the spiral, but instead they uh, they basically 
kick up the sand. Yeah. And so instead of using bubbles to trap them in, they basically create like this like sand vortex in the water. So just cool, like man. that. Wow. And, and the exact same thing happens. Man, so, so cool. cool. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's only a, a certain pod of dolphins that know how to hunt like that, that at least humans know about. Oh, well, they're like the elite dang. dolphins. Like. Maybe maybe yeah. it's the elite dolphins. I think I think I've seen I've seen what you're talking about and it's I, I think that's only been documented like with that family of dolphins. It's so cool. I think. Yeah. It's it's crazy, man. They're they're so smart. Like we'd have uh I guess an orca like a killer whale is technically a dolphin. They like it's funny talking with my dad about it and stuff and he'd be like, "Oh, this never used to happen, but like when we were fishing, they got smart enough that they knew they could go up and bite the fish right off the line." And they'd like just bite them just shy of the head so that they wouldn't Whoa. get the hook yeah. in them or anything. And so, wow. yeah, it was crazy, man. Like they just knew that they're like, oh, there's fishing boats that are sweet, free fish. Like that's <laughs> it's crazy. It was, yeah, it was cool. We, uh, wow. Yeah. I have like this very healthy fear of the ocean yeah. from fishing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny too, because like my dad and I did the, uh, the cage diving oh, thing in, uh, in South Africa for the great whites. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wasn't afraid of the ocean at that point at all. I just thought it was really cool and fascinating and I was really excited to do it. And they threw out a little foam like seal shaped thing onto the top of the water. We were just hanging out on, on the boat, just chatting oh, and having man. a good time. And all of a sudden you hear like the water get disturbed and I ran over to the side and you literally see this mouth. I, it was the craziest thing. It was like pitch black ocean. And then just this mouth come up out of the black and just snap it in half. Dude. And like so violently rip it away and go down and it was half gone. <laughs> That yeah. I I immediately had this whole new respect. <laughs> I mean, I should have had it before I went, but but seeing that, and that wasn't even a big one. That was like a 13 and a half foot, and I think they get to like 20 plus feet or something. But uh, the yeah. guy on the boat oh, was gosh. saying, come wintertime, they go and chow down on all the seals yeah. that are going through. Yeah. And he said on one trip, he saw five seals get eaten by great whites that are just coming out and just <laughs> snapping their heads off and ripping them to pieces. And they come out of nowhere. And supposedly, they they not only can sense that you're in the water... And I could be wrong, so shark people correct me, but they can like sense your your like central nervous system, the electricity in it, and they can see if you're nervous. Like they sense that you're nervous from way far away, and they'll take a bite just to like see, oh, is yeah. this prey? And they don't yeah. really like to taste a human, I don't think. So they'll leave you, but you'll be one like less, you know. Right. <laughs> and that's Dude, not really right. worth it. Yeah. So I, if you're in the water, you got to be like chill, I guess. I am so terrified of sharks because of um another another fishing story here. Uh, <laughs> the fishing stories. The fishing stories. Title of podcast. Dude, this is great. I didn't expect it to go this direction, and this is great. So we we you'd work kind of crazy hours. My dad was great. He'd let me sleep in because I was a moody ass, gangly teenager boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he'd let me sleep in till like six a.m. So I'd like yeah. get up and be like half asleep. And I remember one time getting up and going. I think it was during, a, I guess it's El Nino or La Nina when the mm. water's all yeah. warm or something. Uh, so they, we were getting sharks up like off the coast of Alaska even. Um, yeah. And so I went out to go pee over the side of the boat and I looked down and this shark swims right under where I'm peeing. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, I was like half asleep. I was like, oh my God. And then my dad's like, okay, go pull the line in. And I pull in the line. I'm like, oh man, there's like a huge fish on this. And it was a big spring salmon, uh, like a Chinook. I think they're called king salmon in the States. Um, yeah. But it's big and i'm like whoa this thing's huge and i pull it in and i'm like oh it's not that heavy though and it's bitten clean in half and this thing's like oh. like this thick like the size of my leg like and it was like shark bite clean oh. in half and i was like 
Ooh. Oh. Hey, it's freaky. And ever since then, I am so scared of sharks. Like, terrified. It's wow. so foul. How okay. many? Well, what percentage can, of... wait, can we just change the title quick to Fenner peeing on a shark? Yeah, I was literally about to say, what <laughs> percentage of people... Fenner, that time, time our new peeing. VFX artist peed on a shark. <laughs> Dude, that's how, like, literally. That's what, why I'm scared. They got. They want to get back to me. They have your scent now. <laughs> what percent of people on Earth have peed on a live shark in the ocean? You might, you might be the only one. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty oh. cool. Dude, it was maybe that's wow. the title. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a very like. It's one of those memories. That I'm like, did that? Did that happen? Like, yeah. Like, but like so vi- like this big salmon and just bringing that in and being like, oh, yeah. that is bigger than my leg. Like, yeah. that's just, just clean in half. Like this, like V shaped bite, and you're just like, oh, it's like a generic shaped bite mark. Yeah, for real. It's <laughs> like, like, yeah. real like cheesy, a cookie cutter like, shark bite. That's PNG. so wild. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> How big was it? Do you know roughly like PNG. the shark? <laughs> yeah, not not even that big. Like I think it's I think they're blue shark. We just call them salmon sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like maybe ten feet. Maybe yeah. I don't I don't know though. It's hard to tell. Uh, I th- yeah, peeing. I mean, and I don't I don't know enough about the distinctions between the different sharks to like have a good understanding. But it went on another thing with my dad, and it was like you get in with them, I guess. And they're big and you don't see how big they are until you get in off the boat, but you're out there with one guy on a small boat and he says, yeah, it's safe. And you don't know if he's right or not. <laughs> and there's no insurance. It's like just yeah, a guy like, on a boat. Like right, he's right, like, yeah, right. get in. He might be into that kind of thing. Like watching people get eaten. And like, I get into the water and I go under and he starts throwing chum in or whatever. And they all yeah. start coming out and there were probably like 15, 20 of them. And they were all like six, seven, eight feet long. And I remember being amongst them as they were like ripping this thing to pieces, oh. thinking, what am I doing? And I felt like I, I, I come up for air because I'd like go under with my little mask and he's pointing like this. He goes, big one. And so I go back under and I look and it's like swimming right at me. It's like this thick thing. And I just, I remember was it, a tiger it, was the, shark? it was, I don't, I don't know. Feeder sharks. It, it's a beef feeder. Yeah. And I remember it was, it's it was my most submissive shark. moment of my life because oh. I just, I just pressed myself gently against the bottom of the boat and I was like, please don't. And it like swam right next to me to where it's, it's side like slid against my back. And I just felt it like sliding against my back as it went to the food. Oh. And I've never felt so vulnerable. Dude, Jordan, that actually makes me like nauseous. Yeah, like, it's so it, it was like I got ride in the boat oh. and we went home. That's a great note to wrap things up on. <laughs> get to that time, guys. Yeah. I think also, wow. I hear, didn't I hear they're also, they also they make diving suits or whatever that like specifically do some weird like electromagnetic something or another to like mess with fish. Like, oh. You're talking oh. about the nervous system stuff. Huh. And like, I feel like I, I saw that. I somewhere. feel like I've heard about that somewhere. And that would make sense. That sounds useful. Like, How about shark-resistant oh, diving suits? No, I've heard. Of, <laughs> I've, I've just actually, mail? like, no, there's like hunting gear that does that. You know, there's like scent masking Let's hunting see. gear, huh. but there's some stuff that also like like messes with like either static or electrical charges on your body to oh, that's cool. help hide yourself better. That's very cool. Anti-shark bite technology. <laughs> Is that what you're Googling or what you it's found? Just steel. Yeah, it's steel. It's, it's just, just a, a knife shark chain. This literally is just chain mail. No, it's just chain a gun. It's <laughs> just, just like a... Uh, it's a $7,500 chain mail suit. Wow. For shark diving. So you don't get bit, but you drown. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's lighter. The chains are lighter. Oh, in nice. Water. nice. They're chains. They're yeah. like mini inflatable chain inflatable mail. Inflatable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, wow. So All weird. right. Well, hey. What's <laughs> could, up? Could you play us a sea shanty? Oh, do you a know any sea, sea shanties? Shanty. Oh, man. There's a great Sturgill Simpson song called, uh, what is it called? Stacy's Stories. Mom? No, no, <laughs> you and Stacy's mom. Just, I was, it's always my guess. I hear she's got it going on. So. Yeah, she, oh, she does. It's true. No, unfortunately, I don't know any sea chants off the top of my head, but uh, I can make one up. All yeah, right. love it. It's the best kind. That's like the Irish. Like we'll, we merge all the cultural, like heritage in this room. Does it? Is there lyrics? I don't know. Could there be? I was on a. Fenner woke up one morning and he had to pee, so he Ooh. went outside. And what did he see? He saw a shark. <laughs> he had to pee. Mm. It was as long as his fishing boat. What was? Did you think I was <laughs> going to say something different? <laughs> I'm talking about the sharks. Okay, what do you think, Jordan? <laughs> Come you, on. You know, we need context. It's important. It was a shark. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, bravo. What a note to end on. All right. Thanks you for joining the corner (laughs) cast, everybody. Um, Fenner, thanks for being here, man. Uh, It's good to finally have you down from the land of Canada and uh, super excited for what we're going to be making here. Yeah, man. I'm so stoked for uh, what's going to be coming up here in the future. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah, brother. All right, guys. Let's go eat some beef. Beef time. Beef time. <laughs> <laughs> they be right. calling me beef later tomorrow morning. <laughs> Get beefed up. <laughs>